In today's episode, we'll be talking about why I spent $13,000 on an NFT and potential use cases for NFTs in the sports and entertainment industry. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where normally we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have driven success for them throughout their career? Now, we are taking a little bit of a different path because it's the holidays. So our schedule for recording was a little bit off. And right now, I'm really passionate about potential use cases for NFTs and Web3 in the sports and entertainment space. And we've been having some different conversations with uh, different clients and friends in the sports and entertainment space about where we think the future of NFTs and fandom connected can go. So to do that, I uh, thought we would dip our toes a little bit in the water. And I went and made a crazy investment, if you will, back in November, dropping $13,000 on an NFT. I figured if we're going to be talking about this space, I better start investing in it heavily, not just with my time and with my thoughts, but with my actual money. So I jumped in, invested in a project that I'm really passionate about. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about that a little bit, but rather than just ranting, like sometimes I do in these intros, I invited two of my best friends to come on the show. We've got Martin Graham and Jerome Sherwin, two of my buddies back from my Disney days back in Orlando. They came on the show to really just grill me and ask hard questions, make fun of me. So it's much more casual conversation than you might be used to if you're a listener of the show regularly, but we definitely get into it. We kind of answer some of the questions and unpack some of the terms in the space that might be a little bit intimidating. And honestly, Jerome and Martin, they ask a lot of the dumb questions that maybe some of you guys have that you might be too scared to ask. And we unpack them in this conversation here. One additional caveat I wanted to throw in before we get started. Nothing that I say in this episode is investment advice. This is literally just my buddies unpacking a investment that I made and trying to unpack my mind and my thoughts as to where I think NFTs could potentially go. On that note, one more word of caution to any executives working at a sports and entertainment company right now. There are a lot of third-party consultants out there, if you will, trying to sell you in this space, third-party applications trying to get your IP rights. Just be really, really careful in this space because it's evolving and it's fluid every single day. I would be really careful about assigning my IP rights to somebody else to manage it or uh, signing anything with anyone that says they are the best and that they know everything in this space because nobody does right now. You want to make sure you're partnering with people that are really curious, that are constantly exploring in this space because it changes so rapidly every single day. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. So just a word of caution before we jump in. Uh, this is just my thoughts and my curiosity unpacked. So yeah, without further ado, let's jump into this episode that's not very traditional, but it's all about innovation, NFTs, sports and entertainment industry. Let's go. Jer, Martin, what's going on, guys? Malay. What's up, David? For, for the people, are we calling you Jer or Jerry? How do you want to go? Oh, I prefer Jerome for this one, I think. All right, J-Rome, as you have titled on your, on your screen here, if anybody's watching the YouTube video, go tune in. Jay Rome is wearing a sick beanie and 
hoodie and a jacket trying to dress for the millennials and it, it, it's exactly what I was wearing anyway. Well, this is the first time we've had all three of us on a video chat in a while. So I figured what better topic to bring us all together than NFTs, which 90% of the population is like, I think it's stupid. So meanwhile, here I am spending my life savings on a JPEG. So why don't we jump in and you guys can ask me any of the dumb questions and we'll just attack it. Feel free to make fun of me, do whatever. Somebody starts off. Let's well, do it. Well, yeah. So right off the jump, can you explain what actually an NFT is? Like I'm a five-year-old because currently I just feel like I could copy and paste any picture I want and ownership is in the mind of the beholder. And I just have a million NFTs in my picture document on my laptop. All right. So we, we did another episode on this and we can link to it in the show notes on like what a NFT is and kind of why it's different than just a JPEG. But ultimately when we think about NFTs, it's like, it's on the blockchain verified, right? So you could do the same thing with the Mona Lisa. You could take a copy of it and you could put it up in your house. People have like the better version is like Van Gogh's Starry Night. There are tons of college kids that have like that print up in their room, but everybody knows that they're not the real owner of a star. It's a starry night, right? That's what you had in your dorm room in college that explains. No, I didn't, but somebody did, right? But same, I mean, you get the point, right? Like you can verify it. Right. And, and that is a key principle to it. But I think there is much bigger utility when we start talking about like the utility of the NFT and using NFTs as keys, like that's where I think the bigger use case of it is. Okay. So let's explain why we're all here. You told me and Martin recently that you spent a hefty sum of money on an NFT that looks like a Betty spaghetti that my sister used to play with back in the day. <laughs> And you're telling me you're going to hang this on your wall as if it's the starry night? <laughs> no. Okay. Great, great point. It is, it's a clone. All right. First of all, it's not a Betty spaghetti. Um, oh, Jesus. So have you guys ever heard? You guys haven't heard of the company Artifact prior to me rant, ranting about it. Is that right? That's all right, not so, until you brought it up. All right. So we're going to link to it in the show notes. But they're a sick agency that's in like the metaverse AR, VR type space that's where where they were but now they really leaned in heavily to nfts so like i saw something earlier in the summer where they got famous of like this video of a shoe with like a nike swoosh on it and from their phone they were changing the colors on the shoe and the patterns on the shoe and so jared you're you're cringing you hate it you hate it <laughs> it's a coloring book okay great why 13 grand so that's not the point. The point with that is, is that like this agency has been really well known for merging digital and physical. Okay. So that's what they've been doing. Like they had, have you, have you guys heard of crypto? That's like the, that's like the OG NFT project that right now, like the floor price, the cheapest you can buy one is for like 250 grand. Maybe it's like 300 grand. One got bought for 10 million the other day. I mean, they did Yeah. And you're like, you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But it doesn't matter. That is what people are buying and spending money on. And if there's perceived value to it, there's some value to it, right? Anyway, what they did with that was they said, if you have one of these punks, you can get a customized one-on-one -on -one NFT of a shoe and you get the real version of that shoe as well. And it was like a oh. sick one-of-one -one shoe. So the, the owning the crypto punk, verifiable on the blockchain, not owning a JPEG of it, gave you access to buy this one of one shoe. So I had seen them and was tracking this company do like digital and physical stuff in real life. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. All so, right, so let me ask you this, David. So, okay. oh, wait, you want to keep going on that point? No, no. So I was just going to say like, so <laughs> this company has been doing cool things all summer. And so when they came out with this project, this was one that they had been leaking and hyping up. I knew I wanted to be a part of it because I saw that there was bigger utility than just like a JPEG, which there are a lot of projects that are just like JPEGs and that they're pretty stupid. All right. That's a perfect segue. Cause my question is around, you've got this digital token now. What do you do with it other than make it your Twitter profile picture? You said you can like make <laughs> copies of it and put it on your wall or whatever. Like what are people doing with these that to actually like show them off and tell people that they own them? Okay. So that's about it on that side of the house. Right. So on one end, like people are like, oh, I can just copy paste this. And I'm like, yes, go copy paste my thing because that just makes my thing more famous. Right. Which makes it worth more. <laughs> Like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like the more people that have the print of Starry Night, the more famous that real painting is going to get. And the original owner could give a shit if you copy paste it because he's just like, go for it. Make it more famous because when I try to sell it, it'll be worth more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. But so, so copy and paste <laughs> it and put it where? Like what are the other okay. applications for owning this? Okay. So with this particular project, I was really hyped on it because they are going to get, they're giving, it's a 3D avatar. Okay. And they're like a full body. Yes. Right now in the picture, you only have like the upper, like the head and shoulders up kind of thing, but they're giving us all the 3d files and whatnot. So that if we wanted to, and we had the skill sets, we could make movies with it. We could animate it. We could literally make a movie with it and sell it to Netflix around the origin story of, of our clone, make money and commercialize it. We could create brand partnerships with it and animate it and make videos with it. I can actually take it and make it my avatar in zoom. So you're not seeing me right now, like you are on the YouTube video, you'd be seeing my clone talking or I could upload it into Fortnite or any of the video games and play with that as my character. So this is really just an introduction into the future of ready player one as like, we're all just going to be in our houses, sitting on a couch, but tuned into a metaverse. I basically bought Ferrari for the metaverse. Like, there's only 20,000 of these. And when everybody eventually is in the metaverse, people will see me and be like, damn, that guy has a Ferrari. Like that guy has, it's me, well, you don't. it's me flexing in the metaverse. I do. That though, thing because, looks like a Prius. Well, first of all, yeah, I got a really crappy one. Let's be honest. But no, like I will though, because that is eventually the thought is that will be worth a ton more as more people get familiar with the project, as more people lean into the metaverse and it'll be an OG type thing. Okay, so sell me on this, then, Malay. That guy that spent $10 million on an NFT. Yes. Tell me why I shouldn't go get 20 shares of Berkshire Hathaway right now as opposed to buying that NFT. Totally. I mean, I mean, <laughs> when you think about it like this, I heard somebody say it the other day of, like, value investing, like your Warren B Buffett style, like, investing. Venture capital is to value investing as what NFTs and crypto is to venture capital. It's like the riskiest of risky, no doubt. There's total chance that completely goes to zero and that 10 million will be worth nothing. Like versus your Ber Berkshire Hathaway is never going to see the multiples returns that we'll see in this space, but it also doesn't really have much risk of going to zero. That's so another thing that interests me with this, David. So what, what portion of people, and I want to know what category you fall into as well. Like, I, I feel like there's people in this space that are collecting because of their interest in it. And there's people that are collecting because they're, you know, addicted to the crypto chase of yeah striking I, gold and getting in at the basement and then it, it skyrockets to the moon. Like, 
where do people fall? Where does the majority of the community fall within those two buckets? Or is there another bucket that I don't know about? No, I think those are the two buckets, right? I think the original, the OGs were really all about like, I'm investing in it because I think the technology is cool and I appreciate the art. And now I see a way for an artist to directly get funded and for me to give that funding. Like if you look at what's happening in music with NFTs right now, like, do you guys know who Blau is? He's a DJ. Anyway, he's, he's kind of a very C tier DJ, house DJ or electronic DJ, if you will. He released a bunch of his songs as in a NFTs. So you could own that song as opposed to the record label owning that song. And as a fan, you want to tell everybody about it. I own a piece of that song. The more popular that song gets, I can now sell my share in that song, make more money from it. And now I'm a fan of it because I like the music, but I also have some extrinsic motivation to be a fan of it because I own a piece of it. Where And he made $11 million off of those NFT sales. And he's not making close to that from his record label. So it's so really interesting. A, so yeah. if they use this in like a commercial in say five years, one of Blau's tracks, do you then get residuals because you technically own a piece of that song? Correct. And, and it's so verifiable. Why didn't Springsteen the, go this route? Do you think Springsteen owns NFTs? Hey, he just sold his catalog. Why not invest? Well, and it's all, it's also more traditional, right? Like, like when you look at like Spotify numbers of the 8 million artists that are on Spotify, 14,000 of those artists are making 99% of the money that flows through Spotify. Like, like for your stars, the better route to go is record labels, right? But for your more organic indie artists, like this is a better way to go because it facilitates direct easy access to money from fans and fans can support directly to the artists as opposed to the labels. Right. So that's one way to think about it. Don't you run into issues later though, if like somebody owns, let's say you're a struggling artist now and then you hit on something huge, like down the line and then to go get your ownership back of your music, which we've seen many times before in the music industry, like you have 20,000 20 something year olds that now own your stuff. Like how hard is that going to be to get ownership of your art back? So he he just says, "Never mind. this is not real. You don't own any of this. (laughs) This digital token means nothing. And everybody's like, oh, okay. Oh, (laughs) no, that's no for real though. Is is there any regulation? That's what I mean. Like, how can you, this is not contracted ownership. It is. It's all via smart contracts. That is because the blockchain. And it is legal architect, like, like if Artifact right now decided, you know what, there's scarcity right now. There's only 20,000 of these clones. We want to make an extra 20,000 more. Like that is not legal. Like they can't do that. Like there is, it would have to be a completely different project that they could do because there's, it's smart. There's smart contracts involved in this, right? It's all, it is legal and it's all constructed. And by minting it or engaging in that, you're signing the contract or acknowledging the contract. Interesting. I didn't know there was any infrastructure. Like who, who would I sue them in federal court? I have no idea. I'm not suing anybody. That's, that's, a, great, that's a great question though. Like where do you, and I think that yeah, is that's yeah. way too in the weeds for this conversation, but I'm just, that's where my mind's at. Right? But that is, I mean, that is where I think a lot of people do get turned off is because it is the wild west. There's a lot of people that do like what's called rug pool, rug pulls. Well, they're, where they'll be like, Hey, we have this big project. You should invest in it. And then everybody invests in it. And then they're like, J- JK, like we have your money now and this project, we're not going to put any more effort into it. And that happens. So that's where and it's that's like okay. the, con- the whole copy of the it, constitution effort was a, kind of down that path. 
I think they ultimately tried to correct it, but it sounded like there was a fiasco that. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I actually haven't followed. That's a good point, Martin. I haven't followed up. Maybe Katie has on our team. I don't know what the whole constitution down money went. Like, where did that go? Once they collected everybody's money or I, I don't think they, I think it was like in a song. Well, they lost. That's a good too, question. They lost. They lost. You, should, you should read the follow up on where they stand right now. It's super interesting and very relevant to the entire landscape because it's like, what do you do? That's a question I have. Ask, so what is a, a DAO point. and what, like, what does that mean? And I know that one of them recently bought the Wu-Tang album from that, that bro that went to jail for raising all the cancer medications. All right, let's get into what a DAO is, I guess. Also, I, I don't let me miss on my one thing that where I think these clones are good for from a utility perspective that I thought of yesterday. But all right, so a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. And oh, it basic, <laughs> it's basically like a headless brand. It's basically an organization run by smart contracts. So the best way to think of it is this. What ruins stations, people ruin organizations. People also make organizations as well. But the, like the best way to think of it is like Kickstarter, right? Like in a DAO, Think of it as an electronic Kickstarter, right? You are paying money into something. And with that, with your level of contribution, you get a certain kind of reward for it. So in a DAO, let's say all of us pool some money in and we can decide via smart contract based on how much money we've contributed because it all is tracked in the smart contract. We get voting rights as to how we want to spend that money. Does that make sense? So it's like a digital boardroom. Basically a digital boardroom. And we could say too, like, let's say we had a hundred of us and we were pooling money in to buy commercial real estate, let's call it, right? And you didn't have the money to go buy that condominium yourself, but you want to, you see, you think it's a good investment. You want to own part of it. So you might contribute into this commercial real estate DAO. And based on how much you contribute, it might be that we distribute a thousand tokens and you, the amount of money you kicked in, you get one token for but we might say, hey, this vote's only for people that have 10 tokens or more. This vote's only for people that have five tokens or more. And tokens don't have to be distributed based on just how much money you contribute. It could be that how much you talk about it on social media. For every 10 shares, you get another token, right? You can you structure all these rules on the smart contract and then it automatically happens. Who is structuring these rules? So whoever's organizing the DAO, and that's where I think Martin was going with the Constitution DAO, is like, Somebody said, let's go buy the constitution. Let's make a DAO. And so somebody is behind the strings, pulling the strings at the beginning. Yeah. In this case, the, the person that organized it ended up making decisions on their own, which is against the entire idea of a DAO. And that's where it started to get a little wild and they tried to correct it, but it was too late. Interesting. So yeah. It's a mess. So that's, uh, I read an update like two weeks ago. I don't know where they stand today. Interesting. So like, I mean, where, I don't know if I want to give this idea away on the podcast. Wow. Maybe we'll do it. Cause I don't think anybody listening to this will beat me to it, but I basically, so you guys saw the Penn state or not the Penn state, the Florida state thing where the guy left to go to Jackson state. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm like, dude, why can't we start a fan DAO? Right. And for Iowa, we create a DAO and Rather than have Barstool pull the strings, our Iowa Hawkeye DAO is going to pull the strings as to where kids We're going to drop bags. And we're just going to drop legal bags and say, yeah, Iowa Hawkeye DAO is going to sponsor you. And we get to decide and vote on who gives money. We should have started with this, Malay. Now you have piqued my interest. Do I get an NFT of that player too? I'm in. What else? Yes, you get an NFT of that player and that NFT you can then sell. 
to other people as well. You can say, okay, this NFT comes with certain privileges within the DAO. And as the DAO gets bigger, let's say you say, you say, let's say you're in it, you're contributing and you're like, you know what? This NFT of this guy is worth more than I am care about in terms of voting for where the money goes. I'm going to sell it and make my bag and my own bag and get out. Anyway. <laughs> so that's, that's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, like realistically, the whole college athletics thing can get crumbled to its knees if we do that. And I'm like, ah, do I want to do that? Maybe. But anyway. It's going to burn it all down. Maybe at this point, if I can't get the senior leaders to focus on the fans, we're going to get the fans and burn the whole damn thing to the ground. <laughs> Notre Dame's going to be really good soon. Exactly. Anyway, but I think like, I mean, like, what else? What other questions? Yeah. So if I, if, after I have like a basic understanding of what this universe metaverse looks like as far as NFTs and, and all the other little tangents of this sort of community, like aside from your podcast, obviously, where do I go to stay in the loop with the community? Like, how do you know, like, is it discord? Is it Twitter? Like, how do you know all the stuff that you know? What's the primary source? Dude, you just got to waste a lot of time going down rabbit holes. Um, like you got to learn hard too. I mean, I, I think I told Katie about this, like I joined a couple of discords, got scammed out of 850 bucks. That sucked. But great trait learning lesson. <laughs> you, got, you, have, you have words for me, Jer? No, <laughs> keep going. Give me, give me your words. Give me your words. So is this one of those things where like one of the companies was like, we're making this project, you bought in and then they were like, screw you, see you later. Like, were you no. talking previously about an experience? It's all deregulated, right? You like enter into these communities and like the discords at your own risk. Like the more you get into it, the more scammers there are. And so I had never spent time in discord. I went in there. I thought I was in the official channel. Turns out I was in a DM with somebody that made their thing look like the official channel. They sent me the link to go buy the thing. They changed one. It was .co instead of .com. And he was basically like, click this button to get your NFT, to buy your NFT. And I clicked it once and it didn't work. And so I clicked it again. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, man. then I realized I was getting scammed and it really sucked. It was a bad day. But so learned Discord, is Discord the, plat the go-to platform? Discord, Discord. In the loop and Twitter. If you go to Twitter and mean like start searching a bunch of people, I mean, we'll link to some good people to follow in this that's kind of like the go-to nft now is a great podcast great newsletter on this yeah this there's kinda, a bunch of resources go ahead this kind of goes into the, what we we're talking about earlier but who's regulating the scammers then if nobody like nobody so anybody could just continue to keep doing this and new people jumping in are going to have to learn the hard way for sure and like that like if you go on like tiktok and look at like a lot of these influencers in this space like some of like, dude, you, they're giving bad advice. They give bad advice. Like there's a lot of bad advice and like what not to listen to there. So like, we'll put some of the more reputable people in the links, but that's where you just like have to do your own research and dabble and go down rabbit holes before putting any, connecting any kind of wallet or doing any of that. That's gotta be one of the biggest barriers to entry with this whole thing, right? Sure. It's like, totally. even, even if you have a basic understanding of the technology, it's like there's no real primary source there. You, like you totally. don't go to Walmart to buy this, which is like a reputable marketplace. Like you, it's almost like a, if you don't know any better, it feels like a dark web purchase. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you can buy on like OpenSea.io, right? Like that's a good spot to go. That's like the eBay of NFTs and stuff. And like, if you go from that, but even if you go from there, like, Jer could create his own, he, Jer could create clones, CloneX page and take JPEGs of everybody's things and be selling them for a thousand dollars each and say, 
bonus or, or, you know, we're doing a special sale, put it out on Twitter, you'd make a quick 10 grand. Like it'd be, this is why the extent of my involvement is NBA top shot, because it's tied to, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, Dapper Labs directly tied, you know, direct licensee of the NBA. So it's like a trusted source. It's a name that I know. And that's the only reason I'm willing to put money into it. And I think like, that's where a lot of like the big traditional IP, like a lot of colleges and stuff are going with a company that's called recur former Disney guy. That's the president there. But a lot of their, a lot of like the big IP houses are partnering with a bigger brand like this so that they can make sure to avoid a lot of that. But there is power, like, and like the way I like with Nike buying artifact, like part of where, like, I think that is cool. And Artifact has its own customizability. Like they're a well-known, reputable brand, even though it's not like, I don't know, it, it, it's a little different. But where I, going back to this, I want to make sure we hit on this point. It's a random thing, but I keep thinking about it. I think this is one way to get you guys into this. So with Nike buying this company, what I think they're going to do is basically with clones, now that I have a clone that's verifiable, I think I'm going to have first access to every Jordan drop, every everything, and not have to enter in the portal with everybody else because it's verifiable and I'll have access to anything that Nike does. And they'll be like, these are our exclusive members and you get first access to everything. Like an exclusive membership club. Yeah, you get first exactly. access to then spend a thousand bucks on that pair of shoes. Correct. Correct. Or I can get it okay. at retail okay. or I can get it at retail, right? Like, so I could, I could buy it at $200 and then I can choose whether I want to keep it or go on the secondary market and flip it. Got it. That's what I think it's going to go. And like people have given me crap about that because they're like, because pretty soon, like in January or February, they're going to open up a store that I can customize my clone with and like give him new drip and swag and outfits and stuff. And so they're like, cool, you have access to spend more money. Like, great, you dummy. But the things that I can then sell for more money, I don't know. So David, why are you so into this? Like you talk about all the access that it might get you and some of the, as to like where the Nike partnership may lead to, like, are you in it for like the flip? Are you in it for just being part of something cool? Like, tell us about why you're so invested in this. And, and you went through multiple scams to get to this point and kept going. I don't remember. Do you, you remember back to the Prince of Nigeria? Like you legit <laughs> went through that scam of the you dusted yourself off and you're like, fuck it. I'm going to dive in. I'm, I'm going to quadruple hey. up. Speed bump, just a speed Hard. bump. I'm like, that's the, the cost of education. Hard knocks. Do, Martin, were you, do you remember my Vinylmation days at Disney? No. Jerry, you remember that? Jerome? Yep. Oh, are those the little figurines? The little figurines, figurines I used to collect at Disney? Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, I just love like little collectibles and stuff like that. Like I'm in it for the game. I'm in it for like, like when we bought these, they were mystery boxes. And then you had to like turn them in. And the mystery boxes then became something like I had a chance at pulling one that could be worth a million dollars. You know, unfortunately, I pulled like the two most garbage ones of the 20,000. But like, I'm in it. No, that's dope. Part of the education. Like, part of the education. I'm like, I, like when I opened my last NBA Top Shot pack and I was like, let's go, baby. What do we got? Trey Young, Luca. What do we got? And I got a fucking Mo Bamba layup. <laughs> so, so it was like really interesting. Like when people were actually minting the clones, like people were passing up buying the valuable clones that are now going for like $60,000. And they were instead buying the mystery box for a hundred grand because they had a shot at one that could be worth a million grand. Now, in my mind too, I'm also like, I'm a freaking idiot for changing my mystery box right away. I should have just held on to both of the mystery boxes 
freaking sold the mystery boxes, but I'm a degenerate and wanted a, wanted a chance at a million. The mystery that made it so valuable is the same mystery that made you open it. Correct. Correct. So I, I, you want that feeling of the reveal. All right. Have I convinced you guys yet? Or are we in or no? What else? Okay. My, still my problem is not having something physical in my hands. Are, so like you, you mentioned the Nike shoe thing earlier, which okay. makes me interested. Like I could buy something. When's the last time you had cash in your hands, Jared? <laughs> I got 200 bucks in my wallet right now. All right, let me. Well, that's way more than the average person. Never mind. All right, let me see if I can screen share real quick. So for anybody on YouTube, I think I can. Uh, give me and a real sec. quick while you're doing that, Malay, to bring it back to engagement. Why wasn't an athlete, college, maybe a, a kid in high school, pro athlete, mint twenty thousand, whatever NFT coin? They should. They should that attached, but then like also attached, like you get the opportunity every single year to go to a certain place for dinner with me exclusively. They 1 million percent should. I don't know why they just don't have the technical capability right now. If Michael Jordan did that and I could pay for the opportunity to sit with him at dinner every single year, no, I'm interested. Gary V literally does that right now. If you look up his project, V Friends, they're literally drawings of animals that he drew on a napkin and then turned into NFTs. Gary V? Gary Vaynerchuk? You know who Gary V is? Martin, you know who Gary V is? Yeah, he's a marketing hero. Marketing dude that's like I, constantly. I sell produce, Malay. I sell produce. All right. Anyway, he literally hand drew. You, you actually, you like him, Jer. Hand drew these NFTs on pictures of animals on a napkin and turned them into NFTs. Right now they're selling for minimum 50 grand each. But the key is not the actual JPEG. The JPEG is just the receipt for access to one-on-one Zooms with him once a month, access to his uh, unique conference that they do that's really intimate. Like people seek him out because he has a big following and people want to have access to him. And so these JPEGs, these NFTs are a receipt that you have access into the club. So I don't know why a star athlete wouldn't be doing that. Every star athlete should be doing that right now. And the teams should be helping to facilitate, but the teams are illiterate in this stuff, so they don't know what they're doing. And they think it's just about... Well, Cuban and those guys are leading the way. They have a, one of our friends, Zoe Skamen, does a lot of work with them, and they're leading the way. I mean, Cuban sold a, the first NFT that I ever saw for eighty grand of him dancing back in January. Like they're they're ahead of the game. But I'm just glad Jerry and I are friends with you before we have to buy some sort of NFT to get access or like to be able to text you or get on a video chat with you. <laughs> Dude, I might, should I should I make my own set of NFTs and like? Yeah, like, anybody that's a guest on your podcast gets one. Dude, you could come. Oh, that's a good idea. Boom. That's a good idea. And if we have a guest that blows up, that NFT is now worth something. Well, see, you yeah, keep talking about being worth something, but you just told all your listeners that you're in it for the game. So I'm confused still. That's a good point, Jared. If you're in it for the love of the, like, I'm in it for the intrinsic value. It just so happens that there's also extrinsic value, which I love. Like, yeah, I, but like just, I'm in it for the game right here. You see the Sean Kemp jersey? I'm in it for the game. That's going for to be sure. forever. But how much more in it, like you're a Hawkeye fan because you love the Hawkeyes. You're rocking Iowa because, but how much better, how much more into it would it be if they won a national championship and you got financially compensated? (laughs) You lost me at national championship. If they won a big 10 championship and you got financially compensated for that, how much more into it would you be? Well, that would would be enticing. (laughs) But like, all right, wait, real quick, going back to the tangible thing, last thing, like, I mean, I know Martin, I know you got to jump here in a second. But like, all right, so see these like these clones right here. Oh my god. 
All right. So like, see this purple one, right? Like if you own that, if you own this one, you can mint or you could forge this jacket that Nike's going to make in real life. And you would have that jacket in real life. And you'd be like one of like a hundred people that have that jacket or this, these sunglasses, right? That shirt, like that's going to be, so you'll have something real. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but yeah, yeah right. no, it does. It's, I mean, that's you where, create a small market and make people want it. It's blind demand. I get it. The, the bigger thing in all of it is the key, the access, what you just said about like, why wouldn't an athlete say, but if, if you have one of my NFTs, you get to do a once a month zoom call with me. You get to go to dinner with me. Like that, that is where it should be going. And people are just being really slow to uptick on it right now. They're still thinking about it as it's a JPEG. It's a digital collectible. I'm like, no, it's a receipt for access. That's what you should be thinking about it as. And I just think that I paid for mine because I think that the access that they're going to come up with is going to be cool. And who knows? And I pray to God that it doesn't go to zero because that will be a large wasted investment. It'll be cool. Maybe you can sell it. Or hey, worst case scenario, I can like, oh yeah, I have two of them, one to sell. Anyway. Is that it? You guys have anything else? Riveting conversation. <laughs> All right, go do whatever you got to do, Martin. Like, like Jerry, are you buying? Are you bought in after this conversation? No, it doesn't. Okay, maybe not. Maybe that's the wrong question. Do you understand why some people are yes, bought in? Yes, I get this it, and I get that the metaverse is like the next step in probably the revolution of us as a society. So I get that these things can happen, but like, I want to go to dinner with Michael Jordan. I don't need a coat. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I, th I think for me, like one thing on this is I've never met anyone that has actually done a ton of research into this and been like, yeah, it's all a bunch of fluff. Like anyone that goes down the rabbit hole is like they're once like it's like taking the what, what pill does Neo take in the Matrix? I don't know. Does he take the blue pill or the red pill? Red pill? Blue pill? It's like taking it's like taking color it's takes. like taking the red pill or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, I can't see a world where we don't eventually get there. Like we're going to eventually get there. I've never met anybody that's like that, that does the research and says, this is not the future. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, but the problem is somebody owns that clip of Neo taking the red pill and now we're all screwed and we owe him a million dollars. No, because people can take a JPEG of it. And that just makes it more famous. And you and lost me again. Full circle. <laughs> All right. That's it. I appreciate you guys coming on. This is good. It's a mix up from what we normally appreciate do. Appreciate you, Malay. Love you guys. That was fun, man. Thanks for the education, Malay. I'm glad we got it for free this time. Next time when it costs us an NFT, I think you'll have to find some different guests. We're going to, we're going to, we should take a picture of like an old school picture of us from the three of us in Orlando and then just like make a J, uh, make an NFT of it. And then that'll be the cover art for this episode. All right. We'll see you guys later. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.